Revelation chapter 5 this morning, please. Let's go there as we continue uh, this morning our study through the book of Revelation. Uh, last week, uh, we were, of course, uh, in uh, chapter 4, uh, looking at the uh, throne room uh, of heaven, uh, the throne room of heaven. We continue uh, John's vision here this morning uh, of the throne room, and uh, it's, it, it just gets more wonderful. Let's go ahead and open in prayer, and uh, we'll jump in here this morning. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, this morning for your words. Thank you for the Bible. Lord, we thank you this morning that it does stand. We thank you this morning we can be confident that it's your words uh, that we find in our Bible, uh, wonderfully accurately preserved for us and wonderfully accurately translated in our King James Bible. Lord, thank you so much this morning uh, for the Bible. Lord, thank you this morning for the privilege we have to, uh, to share in uh, seeing and uh, share in the understanding of things that are revealed in John's vision uh, of the throne room. Lord, what a privilege uh, to be able to see these things, to consider uh, what is revealed here, and to be encouraged this morning by these things. Lord, help us now as we look uh, and read and study together. Lord, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, are we in Revelation chapter 5? Is that where we are? All right, let's jump in here. Uh, so John writes under inspiration, of course, he says, and it's going to connect it tightly with uh, that which we've just seen in chapter four. He says, and uh, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. This is the Lord, of course, uh, a book written within uh, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Mike, there's a lot of mystery here already, but some things that uh, I believe we, we can understand. So course he sees the Lord upon a throne the the authority of the Lord is immediately emphasized uh, once again uh, the right hand of him that sat upon the throne right hand of course be a, a symbol a picture of authority Zach uh, him him that sits upon the throne here he has a book uh, that's written uh, within and, and on the back side this this book is sealed uh, with seven seals the word that's translated book here is uh, it often has a sense of, of a scroll, uh, so uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a book uh, or a scroll, we understand that. Um, in first century, Brother Mike, uh, governmental documents were written on scrolls. Typically, uh, history records, history suggests just on one side, uh, that, that reasons for that, but, but here, uh, apparently, there, there's much important that is recorded. Uh, the Holy Spirit has John to record that there, this is a book uh, written within and on the back side. So uh, there's, there's a quantity of important information here. Uh, and the idea that this, this is sealed with seven seals. Now, we've looked at the idea of seals um, in the past. They, they were stamps of authenticity. Uh, they were stamps that sometimes indicated the source of where they came from. If a document was sealed... Uh, it, it was sealed closed uh, to, to secure the document, to prevent changes, to, uh, to secure uh, the contents. So it would be a, a stamp of authenticity uh, and an assurance that the document had not been meddled with. Uh, here, uh, you have an awful lot of, uh, Mike, important material being held in, in, in the hand of the Lord himself. Uh, and something that is sealed uh, seven times, so emphasizing uh, this idea. Now, 
we know, if you're familiar with the book of Revelation, we know that uh, the Lord is uh, about to reveal uh, prophecy of the judgment uh, that he will meet out during the tribulation period. Zach, remember, we understand that's, that's judgment uh, in the sense of judgment for sin, but it's, it's, uh, it's trials, tribulations that the Lord intends to use to reach people, right? So uh, we'll keep that in mind. Many will be reached. Many will be saved uh, during the tribulation period. It's, it's, it's a program we understand primarily, but not exclusively, uh, to reach Jewish people, uh, to bring Jewish people to uh, Christ prior <clears throat> to his, his second coming uh, there, there at Armageddon. So uh, seals here remind us, Mike, there's, there's seven seal judgments the Lord will reveal, uh, trumpet judgments, uh, vile judgments. Uh, this is the language the Lord uh, uses uh, as he sort of unrolls the scroll to reveal uh, his program of, of judgment and correction. Uh, his program of reaching his people uh, ultimately in, the, in and through the tribulation period. Uh, we do not believe that we are yet in the tribulation period. Amen. Uh, that's, that's our understanding of scripture. We understand the rapture will precede uh, the tribulation period. Uh, so this is, uh, we, we believe, we understand comparing scripture with scripture still uh, future. Don't want to go into all the reasons that that would be our position this morning, but uh, if, if you have questions about that, certainly come and, and, and let's talk. I can share a, a list of reasons why I would believe that that is the order of things. Uh, in any event, let's continue here. John's vision uh, continues. He says, I saw a strong angel, uh, a strong or a mighty angel, uh, proclaiming uh, with a loud voice. Zach, where else have we seen throne room of heaven recently and these uh, creatures or, or angels? Ezekiel, right? In our study through Ezekiel, of course, uh, and we've we've already done some some comparison of Ezekiel's vision uh, and, and John's vision. Seen a lot of similarity. Of course, you you would expect that if they're both visions of the throne room of God, uh, both men writing under inspiration. You you would expect there to be good agreement, and uh, seems to be the case. So we praise God for that. Uh, John uh, sees uh, a strong or mighty angel proclaiming. Uh, with a loud voice, uh, who is worthy uh, to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Uh, who is worthy? Who has authority? Uh, Brother Ray, who is qualified to, to loose the seals, uh, to open the book, uh, evidently to reveal the contents, right? This would uh, seem to be the idea. Um, quick aside here, um, one man notes that um, since John describes uh, a, a given angel as as strong or mighty. This, this may allude to uh, other angels as being less so, uh, and that this, this may refer to a hierarchy of authority uh, amongst the angelic realm. And uh, we, we could say more about that, but it's, it's just interesting. Make that quick observation. The word strong uh, or mighty can be understood that way. It's there for a reason, right? Every word is there. There's a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Uh, asking, seeking, hey, who, who, who has the power? Who has the authority? Uh, who is qualified? Who is worthy uh, to open this book, to, to loose the seals? Again, evidently to reveal the content. Uh, and then verse 3, uh, John says, and, and no man, no one, uh, in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, 
uh, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. None was able, uh, I think the idea here probably be none was, none was qualified or none was worthy. That was the question, right? Who, who's worthy? Who, who is qualified uh, in the eyes of the Lord uh, to open the seals, to open the book, to reveal the content? John says, no, no man, no, no man was found. Uh, who was worthy, who was qualified to open the book, neither to look thereon, might not even to look at the book, let alone to, to loose the seals and, uh, and to open it. Uh, and, and here's his response in verse 4. He says, and I, I what? What does he say? I wept uh, much. There was uh, an interest, uh, an understanding that whatever this book was, it was of the Lord, um, and uh, the, the angel, this, this strong angel, was asking, hey, who's, who's worthy? John, John, John has an interest, and um, certainly there, there'd be a desire to know the content as attention has been drawn to it. Um, uh, and, and the answer that, that no, no one, no man, uh, is, is worthy uh, would be a sad thing. Uh, there's a degree of distress there, disappointment perhaps, sorrow, he says, I wept much because no man was found uh, worthy to open and to read the book, neither uh, to look thereon. No, no, no uh, person, uh, exactly the implication being other than Lord himself, right? We wouldn't understand. Uh, no one throughout creation was, was worthy, was qualified uh, to do so. Uh, no one other than uh, the worthy one, Brother Mike, the, the Lamb of God, the Lord uh, himself. Look at verse 5. He says, one of the elders. So <clears throat> we see uh, this reference allusion here to these elders uh, in the throne room. Remember, they're involved in worship. Uh, here they, they're in, in, involved in, in revealing information to John as well. Uh, no doubt information from the Lord uh, to John. Uh, as, as the Lord uses these elders that are present in the throne room. One of the elders uh, saith unto me, John writes, Weep not, uh, behold, behold. Uh, there's, there's no man throughout creation. However, uh, there is the one who is worthy. Behold him. Uh, he calls him these wonderful titles here, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loosen the seven seals thereof. So uh, here you have uh, two uh, or three, perhaps, titles uh, of Christ uh, and an allusion to that which has qualified him uh, to open the book and, and to loose the seven seals. Uh, first, see uh, the idea of lion here. Zach, why, why, why is Christ uh, alluded to or referred to as described as a lion? Lions have strength. They're, they're the king of the jungle, right? They're, it's a powerful, strong uh, creature of Lord's creation. Uh, yeah, they're, they're king of the jungle. Lord is Lord of lords and king of kings. Uh, lion. Uh, he's the king of the forest. He, he, he has power. He has authority. Uh, we understand that Satan walks as a roaring lion, but Christ is the lion. Amen. Uh, do well to, to keep that in mind. Satan walks as one who 
Uh, Brother Ray has been given a degree of authority by the Lord, permitted that by the Lord for uh, a period of time, but, but only that. Uh, ultimately, he is subject to the lion, uh, Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah. What do we make of, of, of this phrase, the, the tr- lion of the tribe uh, of Judah? It, of course, th- this Christ also... Uh, you can make a note back in Genesis 49. Keep praying for me, please, as I teach through Genesis uh, up at the college. I have a really great class. Um, they're uh, mostly upperclassmen. They've, they've clearly been studying. They're very serious about the Lord and uh, in their studies. They, they know a lot. Pray that I can teach them something. Amen. Uh, Genesis 49 and verse 10, Jacob prophesied. He said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, uh, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of, of the people be. We understand, we, we've studied through Genesis a number of times, uh, that, that's a clear prophecy of Christ, uh, of the tribe of Judah, this, through which he has uh, come. Uh, we understand that. So he, he's a lion, he's a lion of or from or through the tribe of Judah, Zach, we understand he came as a man through that lineage, right? Uh, he wasn't created when he came into the world. He was begotten. He took on flesh uh, at his incarnation. We understand all, all of these things. He's called here also the root of David. Uh, we understand that the Messiah, Brother Ray, had to be uh, descended from David also, right? Also in this uh, same line. And, of course, we have verses like Isaiah 11.1, 1, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Uh, Mike, you probably recall Jesse, of course, would be whom uh, with respect to David. Well, it, it's his father, right? So, uh, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. So, yeah, we understand that Christ had to fulfill a, a variety of prophecies uh, the, the, the fulfillment of, of those prophecies is alluded to here. Uh, he's the lion, the authoritative, powerful one who, who did, who was prophesied to come through, through tribe of Judah, uh, through uh, the lineage of David, and in fact did so. And you see that um, lineage in, in Matthew 1, if you want to make that note. So uh, there's no doubt about the identity of the... Uh, person who uh, the elders are pointing John to. Uh, hey, there's, there's no one throughout creation who uh, is worthy, who is qualified in the, in the Lord's eyes to break the seals, to open this book, to reveal the contents uh, other than the worthy one, this one, uh, this one. So, so don't weep. We, we right here see, see the Lord Jesus Christ uh, your Savior. Of course, this is the glorified, resurrected Christ who has bodily uh, ascended uh, into the throne room here, uh, all of this being true. Uh, John continues uh, in verse 6, and what's revealed uh, here are the some specific aspects of what qualifies him uh, to, to open a, and reveal uh, the content here. Uh, John says, I behold, and I behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne uh, and of the four beasts. Now, Zach, didn't, um, didn't Ezekiel also refer to four creatures or four beasts? 
uh, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Very interesting description here, having seven horns uh, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth uh, into all the earth. Uh, wow. Uh, Sister Raffi, I, want, I wonder if John might have struggled a little bit here, right? He's trying to take in all of this to, to comprehend it. Uh, no doubt the Lord enabled him to process and understand uh, what he's seeing here. But certainly uh, he understands that, that this is the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, by the way, John is the one New Testament writer uh, who refers to Christ as as the Lamb or the one the one who's been slain? This is, uh, I think, it might be unique to John in in his writing. Uh, I think that might be the case. Some someone someone do a study on that and get back to me. But I, I think that might be the case. Uh, in John one twenty nine, Bible says, next day John seeing Jesus coming unto him saith, Behold the Lamb of God, uh, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of of the world. Uh, why Lamb? Mr. Zach, why, why, is, why is Jesus pictured or portrayed or described as the Lamb of God? Well, he's, he's the one who was sacrificed, right? He's, uh, he's, he's the perfect, sinless, spotless uh, Lamb uh, that, that was slain. Back to verse 6 here, uh, John, John sees the one who is the Lamb as it had been slain. Uh, sure enough, the Lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world. Uh, and then this very interesting language in, in the balance of, of verse um, 6. Uh, having seven horns, why seven? What is it? Seven. Number, number of completion. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, I have a Facebook group, Brother Ray, I think you know this, it deals with the King James Bible. You're, you're welcome to come there and participate in that. And, uh, there, there's, I constantly am rooting out folks that are practicing uh, what I'll call biblical numerology. They're, they're trying to find revelation in things that are really not in the Word of God. They're, just, they're looking very hard to find patterns that they can count. Uh, and that, that's, that's not biblical. But what is biblical are the words of God, right? By, by definition, the Lord uses numbers at times. And, uh, and so if, if a number is literally the word of God, we understand at times uh, they have significance. And seven, of course, be a number of completion uh, or perfection. Uh, so we see that here, seven horns, seven eyes, and we've seen this allusion to seven spirits previously, right? The, uh, the Holy Spirit has been uh, described, the seven perfections of, of the Holy Spirit, Brother Ray. And we looked at language back in Isaiah. We've looked at that several times. We'll not go back there this morning, uh, which uh, seems to give some more definition to this idea uh, with respect to the Holy Spirit, seven uh, attributes uh, of, of the Spirit of God. Uh, in any event, uh, Jesus is the lamb who, who has been slain uh, at this point. Uh, he's, he's seen here having seven uh, horns. Uh, horns also would be a symbol of authority or, or power, right? So um, he's the lion, 
but he's also seen here as having seven horns. Uh, if horns are a picture of authority and power and seven, uh, it conveys, Brother Ernie, the idea of perfection or completeness. He has a complete, perfect authority. There's, there's, no, there's no imperfection to the authority of Christ. There's no limit to it. Um, he has power. He has authority. Remember, it's on that basis that he gave forth what? The, the Great Commission, right? Uh, on the basis of his authority, he gave forth the commission that we go and teach the gospel and baptize and, and disciple and, and so forth. Uh, he has authority. Mike, I've said many times, he has authority whether we recognize it or not. He has a perfect authority over our lives whether we choose to recognize it or not. We might as well recognize it uh, and, and brother, yield ourselves to him, right? He has, he has that authority uh, no matter what. He's the one that has seven horns. Uh, here, seven eyes. Now, now, eyes are different than horns, certainly. Uh, what do you do with eyes, Brother Ray? What, what do you do with eyes? You see, right? Uh, we're, we're both men that have had eye problems. Zach's had eye. Uh, we value our vision, right? Uh, we value our, our vision. Uh, this probably uh, is being used poetically, meta metaphorically, not literally to, uh, to, to vision, uh, but, but probably conveying the idea of his omniscience, um, his, his knowledge. He sees all things. Well, yes, that would be literal vision, but uh, he doesn't just see literally all things. He knows all things literally. He has perfect knowledge, uh, perfect. Uh, he's perfectly omniscient. Uh, you don't need to say perfectly omniscient. That's what the omniscient means, right? Did you have a thought, Zach? I saw, I saw your hand was kind of, it was going up when you, no, okay. Uh, pray for Zach. His, he, he's not feeling 100% today, right? Your voice is fighting you a little bit. Amen, amen. Uh, seven eyes, um, perfect seeing, perfect knowledge, perfect, complete omniscience. Uh, and so the... Uh, the authority, the perfect authority, and the omniscience of Christ probably uh, in view here. Uh, having seven horns and seven spirits. He said, John says, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth uh, into all of the earth? Uh, spirits capitalized. Bible editors understand this to be a reference to um, of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God. Uh, there are not seven Holy Spirits, but again, remember Isaiah had seven descriptions of the perfections uh, of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of those places where you know, we take care to compare Scripture with Scripture uh, so that we don't misunderstand. Uh, we don't misunderstand. There's one Spirit, there's one Father, there, there's one Son. Somehow there's one God, uh, despite the fact that there's three persons I've challenged my students this semester uh, up at the college to explain the, the Trinity to me. There's extra credit available for anyone who can do that. Uh, I believe they can describe it, but explaining it's a little bit different, right? Uh, we're in the same boat. We can describe it biblically, but it's, it's difficult for us to understand within the, the limits of our human thinking. Three, three co-equal persons who are somehow one inseparable God. Uh, Zach? That's, that's what we can do, right? We, we can describe it biblically. So uh, John is, is doing his best to describe what, what he's seeing. Of course, he's 
uh, being guided and directed by the Holy Spirit who's being alluded to here. Uh, he's writing as he is moved by the Spirit of God to capture down uh, what he's seeing. And remember that, please. Brother Ray, he, he is recording what he's seeing, but this, this process is being superintended by the, the Holy Spirit of God. The inspiration process is uh, very much guiding uh, John's writing. Don't, don't lose sight of that. Verse 7, he came and took the book out of the right hand uh, of him that sat upon the throne. So uh, Christ, the worthy one, comes uh, and, and takes the book. He continues, verse 8, when he had taken the book, uh, when Christ uh, had taken the book, uh, the four beasts, these four angelic creatures, uh, and the four and twenty elders, Mike, I can do the math, it's 24 of them here, right, uh, fell down before the Lamb. Uh, they've not tripped and fallen. They are humbly bowing, worshiping before uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, having every one of them harps, interesting, uh, and golden vials full of odors um, uh, or... Um, uh, incense, perfume, this, this would be the idea. Uh, today we use the word odor um, as something that would be unpleasant, but that's, that's not the case here. Uh, there's nothing unpleasant in view here. This would be vials of, of incense or, or perfume, something very nice, uh, no doubt. Every one of them having harps uh, and golden vials full of odors uh, I think this phrase and, and the next are, are two of the most extraordinary uh, phrases of Scripture. Golden vials full of odors, which, read it with me, please, which are the prayers of saints. That's extraordinary. <laughs> that's, that's extraordinary. Um, let's stop there and, and consider that. Um, John says he, he sees uh, these golden vials full of odors, which are... Uh, the prayers of, of saints. Who's, who's a saint? Saved people. Don't have to be recognized and approved by the church to be called a saint, right? Uh, the Lord recognizes his people, saints, anyone who's repentant of sin and placed their faith in Christ. Uh, they're, they're saints. And so uh, John sees here vials, uh, which are the prayers of saints. Zach, understand in, in the book of Revelation and other places in scripture, there's there's a lot of language that's, that's symbolic, that's poetic. Um, but, I mean, I think John says he sees vials, literal vials, uh, that, that contain the prayers of, of saints. Uh, somehow, some way, it seems to be the, the case, Lord is, is collecting the prayers um, of his people. Uh, you ever have a collection of anything? You ever collect anything? Um, why, why do you collect them? Why might you collect something? Well, it's, you value it, you're interested in it. Um, you, people collect coins, they're, they're valuable. People collect stamps. I used to do both in the past. Maybe I should do that again. It still interests me. Um, they're, they're valuable, Mike. You, you collect them because you value them. You're interested in them. You're, you're, you, you want to keep them because they're precious to you. They have value in, in your eyes. And I think that's the idea here. Uh, Brother Ray, there's, the, there's this wonderful picture here of, of the Lord having gathered and collected the prayers of his people uh, because he values them. They, they are precious to him. 
uh, so much so that there's there's some in in some sense he's literally gathered them, uh, preserved them, kept them uh, in in vials. Uh, Zach, if that doesn't compel us to pray, I don't I don't know what will. I mean, there's the commands, uh, various commands of the Lord to pray, teaching uh, throughout the New Testament and throughout all of Scripture uh, to pray, but. This image here is extraordinary. Uh, the, the, the idea, Mike, that uh, our prayers, that, that we pray, are, are somehow being kept by the Lord because he values them as precious to him, that is extraordinary. My prayers, uh, sinful, imperfect me, my prayers are being kept by uh, this one who who is perfect, who has perfect authority, all all it's it's extraordinary. Uh, Lord, help us to uh, begin to understand this and uh, to understand that you you desire you desire prayer. Our prayers are precious to you. Um, these elders, uh, they have harps and they sung a new song. Uh, so there's music and there's singing, music and words being sung. Uh, evidently, the Lord desires that also. Uh, we know he does. Can you think of a verse, a New Testament verse, where we're taught to sing? I'm thinking of one where we're taught to teach each other with our singing. That'd be Colossians 3.16, right? Uh, make a note. Uh, they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. Christ is the worthy one. Uh, and to open the seals thereof. Why? On what basis? Well, they understand as the Lord has revealed to them, for thou was slain. Uh, you are the one who, who laid down your life. Uh, you were slain and hast redeemed us. Uh, you are the one who has purchased us uh, from the penalty of, of our sin, purchased and released us uh, from the penalty of our sin. Uh, that would be a very, uh, a very real, very real eternal hell. You've redeemed us uh, to God by thy blood, uh, the blood, the blood, the blood, uh, out of every kindred and tongue and people uh, and nation. Lord, you've laid down your life so that people from all around uh, the world, all around the earth, uh, could be saved. And so there's, there's worship in view here. Uh, this worship, they're, they're singing. Uh, this is accompanied by uh, music, specifically harps here. Zach, we know the Lord desires us to sing. We know he desires uh, music. Uh, here's an example of, of singing, uh, worshipful singing here within the throne room. Um, worship, worship in, in the form of singing. Lord, give us hearts to bear in mind as we come in, assemble together, come in uh, and, and sing. You intend for that to be worship, uh, not just singing. Uh, we intend, Lord intends for this to be worship. We, we bow our hearts before you, Lord, and, and, and worship you. Let's continue. Um, verse 11, uh, John writes, I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels uh, round about the throne uh, and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. You get the idea, it was a lot. Uh, there's an innumerable, uh, now there could be numbered, but it, it, it seems uh, to be innumerable. Just um, uh, such a, 
uh, an enormous group uh, of angels round about the throne room. Uh, can you even imagine, Mike, if all of these angels are singing uh, bef before the Lord, the music and, and what that must have sounded like. I, one of the things that I, I most appreciate is hearing singing here in our church. And uh, so many of you have beautiful voices. I don't, so I really appreciate your voices. Um, I, I love when I get it. It was sometimes we get to go to meetings and there's, you know, two or 300 people singing. And that's just awesome, right? Um, uh, I remember being out at Fairhaven, there could be a couple thousand people singing, and it's just awesome. People, that many people coming together to worship the Lord, lifting up their voices uh, as they as they bow down their hearts. It's just awesome. Um, imagine when it's thousands and thousands and thousands, uh, what that must be like. Well, the Lord is certainly uh, worthy of that. Um, I suspect, Mr. Zach, that we'll be able to join that choir one day, and uh, we'll have voices that will be wonderful. Uh, my resurrection voice, Sister Jan, it's going to be different. My, my resurrection singing voice is going to be different. Yeah, I'm going to come and sing by you. You're going you're to whisper in my ear, Pastor, you were right. You could sing now. <laughs> you could sing now, Pastor. We'll laugh a little bit. You know, praise God. Praise God. They're saying with a loud voice, verse 12, worthy, here's the content, uh, worthy, so he's the worthy one, worthy is the lamb that was slain uh, to receive power. I think the idea here is, again, authority uh, and riches and wisdom and strength uh, and honor and glory and blessing because uh, of his redemptive work, what he's accomplished at, at Calvary. Uh, he's worthy to loose the seals, to open the book, uh, to reveal the contents. Uh, he is the one who is, is worthy. Uh, and, you know, one, just wonderful aspects of his worthiness and that which he is worthy of uh, in, in context because uh, of what he has accomplished. Now, um, Ernie, I would argue that, that Christ is, is worthy of all that because of who he is, right? Even before he laid down his life, uh, he, he's worthy of all that. But uh, certainly we understand his, his worthiness in the context of what he has accomplished uh, for us. He is worthy to receive power, riches, wisdom, uh, strength, honor, glory, um, and, and blessing. Um, no doubt, Brother Ray, the, these truths will be seen. Uh, I believe they'll be on display practically in and, and throughout the millennial reign of Christ where you know, he'll exercise uh, authority uh, as, as an earthly ruler. Uh, he'll uh, no doubt possess riches. Uh, no doubt he'll exercise wisdom uh, as he rules throughout uh, the millennium. Uh, no doubt he'll exercise strength, he'll receive honor, and he will be uh, praised for all he is, for who he is, for, for what he's like. And, and we'll be witnesses to that. This is part of our hope, rejoice this morning um, in that. Uh, John has the privilege to see this. Well, to hear this worship, I, I believe we, we will, we will uh, according to the Bible, have the, the wonderful privilege to see these things being practiced, exercised um, 
uh, visibly uh, in and throughout the millennium. Verse 13, 14, we're done. Every creature which is in heaven uh, and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all them, all that are in them heard I saying, so, you know, this, this, this wonderfully immeasurable chorus, uh, he, he hears saying, uh, singing, I believe, blessing and honor and glory uh, and power, authority, power, be unto him uh, that sitteth upon the throne uh, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Um, I shared the idea last week quickly, and I'll just repeat it. Um, so much of the worship that we see here, um, really, Zach, the content of it is, is based on the, the traits or characteristics or attributes of the Lord, right? I've been thinking about that and, and trying to make some of my personal prayer time, my personal worship kind of built around uh, the same things. Lord, Lord, you're awesome. You're this, you're that. Lord, thank you for being this. Uh, and that, um, your honor, your glory, Lord. Uh, so you're, as you do that, you are, you are modeling some of the worship that we see here uh, in the throne room. I'm going to say again this morning, if the Lord desired this and uh, in, in, in his literal presence, no doubt he'll, he'll desire that from us as well. Uh, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, unto lamb forever and ever, uh, verse 14, the four beasts, these four angelic creatures, uh, special somehow, said, Amen. What's that mean? So be it, so let it be truth. Uh, the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever uh, and ever. Uh, how long is that? Forever and ever. Um, this, is, this is Christ and his eternality. Um, Brother Ray, that's... You know, it's just an extraordinary truth regarding the Lord. He, he's eternal. Uh, he, you, no matter how far you go back in time, he's, he's there. No matter how far you go forward in time, he's there uh, because of himself and, and only himself. He, he's eternal. And that, that's an extraordinary truth that we can't quite grasp. We can, again, only describe it. But uh, it's, it's a truth that um, should encourage our worship, and it seems to be doing just that uh, there in the throne room. Lord, give us hearts to worship you, um, thinking, uh, meditating upon your attributes and allowing that to compel us to worship you. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning, um, again, for all of your words, all of the Bible, but uh, Lord, these, these chapters are just so precious. We thank you so much for the extraordinary privilege to look into your word, but to, to be able to peer into uh, your very throne room. Lord, it must have been an extraordinary privilege for John, but I, I don't take it as any less of a privilege for us this morning. It, it is an extraordinary privilege. Father, I pray this morning as we uh, consider and meditate upon these things and uh, hope and trust people will continue to, to look at and study and meditate upon these passages throughout the week. Uh, Lord, that it would compel us, that these words would compel us to, to worship you. Uh, Lord, we're, we're awestruck at the truths that are revealed in, in the content of the worship and the things that John saw, of, of course, also. But uh, certainly the most practical application I can take from, from all of this is 
to humbly bow before you and worship you for who you are and for what you like. Lord, give us hearts to do just that. Father, I pray this morning now that um, you'll work in the next hour as people are coming in now. Lord, I pray that you will help each one to bow their hearts before you. Lord, I pray as we do that you fill our hearts with joy, that you give us hearts to uh, joyfully, humbly and joyfully worship you uh, this morning. Father, pray that you will use um, Brother Starr and his dear wife here throughout the day today. Pray you have your hand upon Brother Starr as he preaches this morning the messages that you've laid upon his heart. Lord, use him mightily here today, um, exactly as you desire. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much for being here this morning. We'll see you back shortly. Mm -hmm.